0: Ever wonder what history's most famous and infamous people would say if you asked them for their side of the story? Well, this is it. You're listening to Hindsight, an original podcast by Al Jazeera. I'm Charles Dance. This is a dramatized series based on historical events that resurrect some of the world's most memorable figures. In this episode, we hear from former Libyan leader Muammar Gaddafi. Who, in hindsight, may never have planned to deliver on the freedom he promised his people. Hindsight, you've heard of them, but now it's time you hear from them. At the heart of this chorus of chaos is the voice of one of the most prominent leaders of the modern Middle East. Born a Bedouin on the fringes of Libyan society, Muammar Gaddafi rose to absolute power. But now, in 2011, he is speeding across the desert, trying to hide from those who would kill him. The year before, the thought of Gaddafi losing his 42-year grip on Libya would have been laughable. Yet here he is, staring down his own demise, not far from the desert encampment where he was born.
1: The imperialists dropped their bombs. But these traitors, these so-called revolutionaries, will not chase me out. I am not going to leave this land. I will die as a martyr. Myanmar is leader of the revolution until the end of time. The imperialist dogs. This is their doing. My legs. Yes, brothers. Help me move. We must move.
0: A comeback is a long shot now. Consequence is catching up. The rebels closing in. Gaddafi and the handful of survivors of a NATO airstrike are now on foot, bleeding. The smoke from the bombed-out land cruisers burning their lungs. Limping on wounded legs, Libya's so-called brother leader... Africa's heralded King of Kings hides in the dark stink of a concrete drainpipe on the roadside. His bodyguards take position outside, firing at the oncoming rebels. Alone now, badly injured and sitting in filth, Gaddafi is surrounded. Rebels drag him from the pipe and like many times before, he hears the crowd chant his name.
1: What's what's going on? What do you want Give me my life. Give me my life. what did I do to you what did I do to you tell me
0: the question requires a lifetime to answer the lifetime of Muammar Gaddafi
1: I uh, was born in the desert 1941 and 1942 something like that exactly when is irrelevant? I'm a Bedouin. For us, whom you were born to is far more important than when. I am part of the Gadotfa tribe, which at the time was a bit like being no one. In Libya, the tribes are what bind people to power. I learned that lesson young, and never forgot it. But it was a harsh life. We roasted in the summer and froze in the winter. We had no government help. Our country was being passed around from one occupier to the next, from the Italians to the British and French. And my father herded camels and goats. Neither he nor my mother could read or write. I was born near Sirt. I did not think I would die there. <laughs> I was wrong about that. But I was right to think I was destined for a higher purpose. It
0: helped that Gaddafi was the only son, and therefore received all the opportunities not afforded his sisters. He first got an education in his village from roving religious
1: teachers known as fakirs. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah, al ar Rahman ar-Rahim. I learned the Qur'an by heart, and remained a devout Muslim for the rest of my life. All those believers who do not follow Islam are losers. I didn't start my formal education until I was 12. The school was a four-hour walk away from our desert encampment, and we were very poor so I slept in the mosque and went home only on the weekends. The other kids used that against me. (laughs) A desert dweller. The local boys would bully me and the other Bedouins. Well, they could call me a desert dweller all they wanted. Words will never break me.
0: Then once again, his parents moved the entire family to Sebha, so that Gaddafi could attend secondary school in 1956. Perhaps it was here, in Sebha, where the seed of the dictator we came to know was sown.
1: The city opened a portal to the wider world through radio and television. To reduce me to ideas of anti-Western colonization to Pan-Arabism, delivered by the voice of the man who would become my idol, President Jamal Abdel Nasser of Egypt. My parents may have brought me to Sabah, but it was Abdel Nasser who brought me to the world. His speeches brought streets across the Arab world to a standstill. Jamal Abdel Nasser did not live in Egypt. He lived in all our hearts. He did not just work for Egypt, but for all Arab nations.
0: Studies soon took a backseat to rebellion, organized rebellion. Gaddafi created an underground revolutionary group. He followed Abdel Nasser. His teenage classmates followed him.
1: Syria seceded from the United Arab Republic with Egypt. It was a big step backwards in our dream of a revival of a pan-Arab nation. So in 1961, we marched. Where is your picture of Abdel Nasser? Here, take this one, I have extra. We must stand together. Wait, we us stop here at the hotel. You know they serve alcohol here? This is against our ways. Oh, come on, comrades, have courage.
0: But Gaddafi wasn't interested in just mere marches or unity. Violence was his game. That stint was enough to get him kicked out of school, and his family was forced to run out of town to Misrata. There, the young rebel
1: enrolled in a new school. I was not very popular with my teachers. Ah, here he is, Mr. Johnson, the English teacher. Stand? I refuse to stand for you, you agent of imperialism.
0: It was the height of the Cold War. Libya was on side with the West, signing deals with the likes of the United States and Britain. But Gaddafi followed Abdel Nasser, who threw his lot in with the Soviet Union.
1: I quit college after that. In 1963, I joined the Royal Military Academy in the eastern city of Belize. This was more like it. Together as brothers to protect our great nation. Or so he would have you believe.
0: The military was a tool for Gaddafi. And King Idris I, and soon the last King
1: of Libya, was a perfect target for this young revolutionary. King Idris was corrupt. He only did what the British asked. He had to go. We had to get rid of him. I couldn't do it alone, of course. I convinced my comrades to join the Academy. We called ourselves the Free Unionist Officers Movement. We eventually set up the Revolutionary Command Council. You know, the RCC. We called it the movement. After I graduated, I steadily climbed the ranks. I was a hero in the making. And finally, finally, the time had come to rid my country of its colonial oppressors and the one man who represented them all. All right, men. The time is here. The British are withdrawing, retreating to their little island. The plan is clear. Arrest King Idris and the Crown Prince in Tripoli. Go undercover. Now, and wait for my word. Don't be afraid. The divine is on our side.
0: Gaddafi set the date. The 1st of September, 1969.
1: Darkness is all the cover we need. Our comrades have their orders.
0: The coup couldn't have been easier. King Idris was abroad receiving medical treatment, the crown prince was at his palace, and the military brass were at home in their
1: beds. Say that again. Confirm. Yeah, we have control. God really is on our side. Soon all of Libya will know of our victory.
0: It was a bloodless coup, an ironic start for a leader who ended up spilling blood on demand. At 6.30 that morning, Libyans heard Gaddafi speak to them for the first time.
1: From this day forward, Libya is a free, self-governing republic. She will advance on the road to freedom, the path of unity and social justice. Yes. As soon as we got rid of King Idris, it was time for reformation. The new order erased tribal borders, removed chiefs, mayors. We replaced them all with new governorates and young officials. We expelled the remaining British and American forces in Tobruk and what was left of the Zionists. We reclaimed lands occupied by foreign settlers and kicked them out too. Libya was for Libyans. Power would go to a civilian government, without question. The people would lead. Life for Libyans was now about freedom. My comrades trusted me to make this happen.
0: In reality, Gaddafi's grip on power was tightening. The council forbade political activity outside its ranks, replaced trade unions with new ones under the direct command of the Ministry of Labour. Freedom of speech was but a distant memory. All newspapers were banned except for al fawra or the revolution, which the state approved. And then came the
1: oil. Libya was turning into a rich country, so we had to enact laws nationalizing our oil, protecting the resources of my great country for my people. That is what you call a leader.
0: At 29, Gaddafi was a young leader, young with no real experience running a country. Despite all the new oil wealth, the economy was failing. Unemployment rates were going up and social projects were falling too. As was Gaddafi's ability to hold court with his Revolutionary Command Council.
1: Where is your military uniform? Do you not support the revolution? And your weapon? Shame on you. It's not difficult. Get changed or don't come back. I have little tolerance for disrespect. I threatened to resign when things didn't go my way. And what would they do without me? They could do nothing without me. (laughs) I was their hero.
0: Erotic, disruptive, neurotic is how some preferred to describe him.
1: By early 1973, I was fed up. I went to Egypt for a break. I told them I would resign when I got back. But I changed my mind. <laughs> I stood there in the town of Zuwara, surrounded by the RCC cowards, ready to give my speech to the crowd. Instead of quitting, I shared my new vision for a new Libya, a cultural revolution, following a new political philosophy for the world. <laughs> Let me tell you about the third universal theory. It brings together socialist ideology and Islam to replace the polarization of capitalism and communism. It was the beginning of what would become my green book, my vision for the ideal form of governance. It was my revolution for my Libya.
0: The message was clear. This was Gaddafi's revolution,
1: Gaddafi's Libya. We printed millions of copies. People lined up to show their loyalty, to have their own personal copy signed by the brother leader. It was my rage on paper against liberal democracy, capitalism and communism in favor of a system of people's committees. The Green Book became the most single important publication in Libyan society. Teachers used no other national history book.
0: Not that there were any others on hand.
1: There was no Libya before the Green Book. No Libya before Gaddafi. We even changed the flag to all green. It really is the perfect political philosophy.
0: Bottom-up leadership. But Gaddafi's political system would prove to be very much pyramid-shaped, with Gaddafi at the top.
1: I tell you, there is no state with a democracy except Libya on the whole planet. And I was there to implement the will of the people. I had to abolish the RCC.
0: That's not all he did. Gaddafi also banned any political activity outside the Congress. He banned alcohol and shut down nightclubs. No doctor or lawyer could have a private practice. People couldn't hire domestic servants. And foreign chicken
1: was illegal. People always like to bring up the chicken ban. But it uh, makes perfect sense. The country is not free if it depends on overseas production, and so Libyans must grow their own food and raise their own chickens. I give my people free education, health care and subsidized their housing and transportation. Even though oil prices were skyrocketing, wages weren't. People
0: didn't have much more than the basics. Libya's oil wealth was benefiting a narrow elite, including Gaddafi's inner circle and his family. And the Gaddafi family was growing.
1: My first marriage didn't last long. The best thing to come of it was the birth of my son. But I found the love of my life in my second marriage with Sophia Farkash. We met back in nineteen seventy when I was in hospital for appendicitis. Sophia was my nurse. You know she is a businesswoman? She ran Orachir and took care of all the pilgrims to Mecca. She is simple, not a fancy person. She liked to keep a low profile. Sophia Fakash often traveled in a
0: fleet of Mercedes. She was also believed to be a billionaire with gold bars
1: in her personal safe. We stayed together until the end and had seven children together. My family is my pride. Our daughter, Aisha, is a lawyer. She is the peacekeeper of the family. She had to be around seven brothers, <laughs> especially around safe <laughs> Our firstborn, when he was still just a boy, he would walk by my side. People called him my heir, imagined. (laughs) You can't be a revolutionary and have an heir. (laughs) Anyway, I offered him my number two position, but he turned him down. Our home in Tripoli was filled with albums and videos and pictures of our beautiful family. Our children made Sophia smile. She was always smiling. We even adopted two more to keep her smiling. My family was growing. The oil was pumping and my philosophy was spreading across the country. My mission to modernize Libya was well into its new phase. My green book, my political manifesto, was being embraced by the masses.
0: While most Libyans accepted their new reality, Some grew to resent the state and the military's say over their everyday lives. So how did Gaddafi deal with that? It's the 7th of April, 1976, and students are demanding free speech and free and fair elections. They get neither. The next year, on the same day, Gaddafi ups the ante. Public executions. At least two students hang and several suspected opponents in the military
1: are put to death. And what of it? Treason is a capital offence in the United States too, last I checked. Anyway, I made April 7th a new holiday.
0: More like a holiday of horrors. The date was reserved for punishment for anyone opposing Gaddafi's rule. Purges, imprisonment and worse...
1: So much worse. I had something special in store in 1984. We busted in thousands of school children and college students to a sports stadium. It was a field trip. <laughs> they sat al-Sadiq al-Shawadi in the middle of the basketball court so that everyone could get a good view. He sat cross-legged alone with his hands tied behind his back. My loyalists presided over the gathering. The field trip was really a trial, if you could call it that. They charged the
0: engineering student with plotting to assassinate Gaddafi. Shawedi was forced to confess. The verdict came swiftly, guilty. The punishment,
1: death by hanging. The execution was to happen right then and there. The students, all of them, had to learn what would become of them if they were disloyal. I watched it on live television from home. They dropped the trapdoor, and his body convulsed. (sighs) But he was taking too long to die. Then out of the crowd emerged a most spectacular woman. Uda Ben Amr. She walked up to the traitor put her arms around him, and pulled his body down hard. (laughs) What a woman. Although he didn't die immediately, I knew Huda was someone I wanted to have on my side. I rewarded her for her loyalty, and she ended up being the mayor of Benghazi. She became rich and powerful.
0: She would go on to be known as Huda the Executioner,
1: These are the types of people Gaddafi
0: kept in his circle. The Libyan people got the message. Loyalists would be rewarded. Opposition would swing. Throughout the 1980s, Gaddafi relied on various activist groups like the Black Panther Party in the United States, the African National Congress fighting apartheid in South Africa, even the Japanese Red Army. He also took out ads in Australian newspapers urging people to join Arab revolutionaries fighting against imperialism.
1: We had to stand together to beat imperialism, to beat the United States, especially with Ronald Reagan in charge. Reagan as president. (laughs) What a joke. He was so stupid he didn't understand our revolution at all. He saw me as a Soviet puppet. He clearly didn't read my book.
0: Reagan and Gaddafi would become mortal enemies. The U.S. president had said Gaddafi supported anti-American movements and regimes that backed international terrorism.
1: Within months of taking office, he closed the Libyan embassy in Washington, cut off diplomatic ties, and imposed an embargo on oil imports from Libya. He also gave me one of the most memorable nicknames of the 20th century. This
0: mad dog of the Middle East has a a (laughs) goal of
1: a world. He was the mad one. He was crazy. His navy liked to train in the Gulf of Sidra. My Gulf. After all the suffering he caused my people? Did he think we would do nothing? I warned him. I warned him.
0: In a single day in March, 1986, Libya fired six missiles at the US Navy training in disputed international waters.
1: Those animals retaliated, shooting down two of my fighter jets and killing 24 of my personnel. I had to declare war. There was no
0: other option. Attacks on Western targets picked up pace culminating in a deadly attack on the 5th of April on a nightclub in West Berlin, a popular spot for U.S. military officers stationed in Germany during the Cold War. Reagan blamed Gaddafi and on the 14th of April ordered Operation El Dorado Canyon, which targeted bombings in the cities of Benghazi and Tripoli, including Gaddafi's own home. Gaddafi used the strike to his advantage.
1: They bombed our streets Women Crying in the craters They call me a terrorist Reagan was the biggest terrorist in the world Calling me a terrorist is in itself an act of terror They even hit my compound And they killed my baby daughter Our little Anna They had just adopted her The bombing killed her Murderers.
0: It's heavily disputed whether Hannah was killed. A family album found years later apparently showed her alive and well after the attack.
1: We will have our revenge in time. Patience.
0: And now the mind games begin. Did he or didn't he have anything to do with what came next? On the 21st of December 1988, one of the worst air disasters in history occurred over Lockerbie, Scotland.
1: 270 people are killed when a bomb explodes on Pan Am Flight 103 over Lockerbie in Scotland.
0: But it would take years of questioning whether Gaddafi was behind the Lockerbie bombings and other attacks like it. Western powers had to take a different tack on how to handle the so-called Mad Dog of the Middle East
1: as unprecedented armed confrontations, the Security Council strengthened sanctions on Libya... More sanctions now from the United Nations and on our airlines. We won't hand the suspects over, not for the Lockerbie bombing or any other bombing. I refuse and will continue to refuse.
0: And his refusal hurt the Libyan people. The sanctions crippled Libya's oil industry, unemployment shot up, and goods were in short supply. But Gaddafi had everything he needed, and more. It's 1998, and Gaddafi is out for a drive. His motorcade is traveling across the desert on a trip to Cairo. Unable to trust the military after all the purges, a special unit protects him.
1: They're all women, picked from a young age. They swear their loyalty to me, only me. For life, there's no marriage or family for these women. They take a vow of chastity, to.
0: They had no choice. And as it would turn out, the women were treated more like sex slaves.
1: Ah, my nuns of the revolution. They call you Amazons in the Western media. But you're so much more than that. Trained killers. You're concerned about stopping in bed. There are strangers there. Don't worry. Even if they want to attack, what Arab man in his right mind would shoot a woman? Even if she was wearing fatigues.
0: A surprise attack on his convoy killed one of his guards after she threw herself in front of Gaddafi. He knows he's a hunted man. Something has to change. A year later,
1: a charm offensive begins. I uh, decided to hand over two of the Lockerbie suspects. I had to remind my enemies what uh, Muammar Gaddafi was able to do.
0: What Gaddafi really needed was allies. Libya was broken by sanctions. Not only that, Gaddafi was jockeying for a safe position in the post 9-11 world, particularly after the 2003 invasion of Iraq. He didn't want Libya to be next. The man once considered a pariah knew he had to change his image.
1: (laughs) Al-Qaeda. I condemn every last one of those fighters. They're on a mission to establish a so-called Islamic State. a dream they were willing to kill for. (laughs) They're just kids.
0: Every dictator needs a ruse, and Al-Qaeda was Gaddafi's. With the help of allies like Nelson Mandela in South Africa, sanctions were lifted on Libya. And now, the so-called Mad Dog of the Middle East morphed into an eccentric statesman.
1: Mr. Prime Minister, how Please come in. Welcome to my tent. Tony Blair. Now there is a good friend. So respectful. When we spoke, he always referred to me as a leader. This is so correct. Our deal in the desert was good for both our countries. The British needed oil after all. And we had it. The West was starving for new ideas. It was lost. It needed
0: the leader. But it was Gaddafi who needed the West. The infamous deal in the desert in 2004... And the handshake sealed his legitimacy, and Gaddafi took his new show on the road.
1: Monsieur Gaddafi, bienvenue à Paris. C'est notre plaisir. What bomb and ceremony? The French president knew how to welcome a real leader. Though I did find it strange how insistent everyone was about where I slept. The leader will not be told where to sleep. This is why the leader has brought his tent. Set up my tent. I refuse to climb more than thirty-five stairs.
0: Gaddafi's demands were legendary abroad and at home, and when he wanted to impress, there was at least one guest he simply had to get right.
1: Like the lanterns and the incense. Where is the food? Ah, yes, perfect. She's almost here. How do I look? You like my robe? It's cotton. <laughs> Okay, we will sit there. She has to meet the leader in true Bedouin style. Ah, a car is here. Perfect.
0: Gaddafi waits for his guest, standing in a corner, still as a statue.
1: Welcome, welcome. May I call you Lisa? You can call me the leader. I uh, supported my darling black African woman. I... Admire and am very proud of the way Condoleezza Rice gave orders to the Arab leaders. Lisa, 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 I loved her very much. I showered her with gifts: a diamond ring and a locket with my photo
0: inside. Rice later stated that she found Gaddafi's crush quite extraordinary, weird and a bit creepy. Then came New York, 2009. This was Gaddafi's first address at the United Nations General Assembly, and his last.
1: At present, the Security Council is security feudalism. Political feudalism for those with permanent seats, protected by them and used against us. It should be called not the Security Council, but the Terror Council.
0: World leaders get 15 minutes to address the General Assembly. Gaddafi took 90. He behaved as though he was untouchable. But for how long was that expected to last?
1: Everyone knows how imperialist the so-called United Nations really is. But no one, except myself, was courageous enough to admit it out loud. If this does not make me a true leader, then I don't know what does. I saved Libyans from poverty time and time again. We redistributed the oil revenue, dropped food prices, and even released prisoners. His reforms
0: were his compromise to stay in power.
1: People were hungry. They lost hope. So we took steps. Many people were happy. Others were not so grateful.
0: In February 2011, Libyans joined the Arab Spring. They wanted Gaddafi gone. But he had other
1: plans. I will hunt these protesters down inch by inch, room by room, home by home, alleyway by alleyway. He sent in the police and the army, fired the tear gas, water cannons, and the ammunition. The people had to know who was in control. Recorded phone calls between him and his inner circle revealed
0: a much more subdued Gaddafi than the one shouting on television. In it, he seemed confused, not angry. A man who appeared to be clinging to a reality that no longer existed.
1: Where is the revolutionary spirit? We need more rallies. We need to see the green flags. Tens of thousands of them. We need to see the support.
0: Even then, with the uprising in Libya's east in full swing, with his security forces opening fire on protesters by the hundreds, he was blinded by his own propaganda. The fact is, the fear barrier was broken for Libyans. Protesters tore down Gaddafi portraits on billboards and burned his beloved green book in the street. In a few days, rebel fighters emerged among the protesters and took control of Benghazi. Gaddafi was losing legitimacy by the hour.
1: I couldn't believe it. The ambassadors were resigning. The cowards. Ministers too. Threaters. Ah, they're all weaklings. Don't you see this will all pass as quickly as it started? There's no way the rebels will get all the way to the
0: capital. Phone calls between his inner circle have revealed the real politic.
1: The Manafak You have to make a deal with them. And all the tribes that stand between here and Benghazi. The green flag must fly in Tobruk. The tribes are the key. My bible they are what bind people to power.
0: On the 17th of March 2011, Gaddafi broadcast a defiant speech.
1: I will finish the Battle of Benghazi tonight. I will chase you house by house. I will be in power until the end.
0: Gaddafi's counterattack on the political stage. Well, here's what he had to say to former British Prime Minister Tony Blair on a call during the uprising.
1: What kind of violence? No violence. These people attacked police stations. There was an exchange of violence and these people fell. Fine, but you must emphasize that the fight is against Al-Qaeda. We are not fighting them. They are attacking us. All right. Speak soon.
0: Thank you. The UN Security Council imposed a no-fly zone over Libya. A coalition of US, British, and French air forces began air raids, and NATO was soon on board.
1: It doesn't matter that only ten were killed. Say dozens died. Inflate the numbers. Tell the Spaniards that I'll recognize the Basques if they don't support me. Our closest friends abandoned us. Blair couldn't knock any sense into Britain or the U.S. He had no power. My family was what I could really count on. We banded together at our home in Tripoli. As long as we had that TV station, we could give the people the truth that we would win against these so-called terrorists who will make Libya an Al-Qaeda emirate.
0: Gaddafi was running out of time. And once NATO bombed the national Libyan TV station, He was out of airtime, too.
1: The tribes were the answer. I knew how to pull those strings.
0: Again, Gaddafi was oblivious to how quickly he was losing his grip on power. Once NATO started dropping bombs, the last of the tribes switched sides, figuring Gaddafi was not on the winning side. Not anymore. Five months after the fall of Benghazi, Gaddafi
1: lost the capital. I was in Sirte, I prayed, I read the Quran, I knew I would choose death before surrendering.
0: Not quite. He had considered surrendering and transitioning power to the National Transitional Council. Calls were made, but it was too late.
1: We didn't have much time. We were going to have to run. They recorded it all, my death. They pulled me from the drain pipe, beat me, shot me. I was already nearly dead after the NATO strike. It wasn't right what they did. And I told them so. I ask again, what did I do to you?
0: On the 20th of October 2011, Gaddafi was no more. The larger-than-life leader whose face adorned everything from billboards to keychains across Libya was now a corpse in a cold storage room of a market near Sirte. Thousands of Libyans traveled from all over the country to see his body on display, partially wrapped in a blanket on a dirty mattress on the floor. Next to Gaddafi, the bodies of his son, Motassim, and his former army chief the refrigeration unit had broken. But still people came to make sure. It was hard to believe that after 42 years in power, Muammar Gaddafi was dead. But life after Gaddafi has been far from easy. In one of his last conversations with Tony Blair, he warned the former British Prime Minister that chaos would follow his reign. He was right. His removal left a power vacuum swirling with crime, violence, and corruption. And his family? Dispersed for the most part, but some still remain in Libya. Gaddafi's son's safe, who once had suggested using the Libyan people as human shields against NATO strikes, was taken prisoner by a powerful militia during the civil war. He is free now and has submitted his candidacy to run for president in Libya's 2021 elections. The House of Gaddafi may not be finished yet, Hindsight is narrated by me, Charles Dance. This series was produced by Sout Podcasts. Their team is producer and editor Tala Alisa, associate producer Asant Samut. This episode is written by Morgan Waters. Sound design by Tassir Kabani. Sound editing by Mahmoud Abunada. Research by Karim Hatem. Fact checking by Bayan Alaruri. Director Zain Ganmar. Muammar Gaddafi is played by Rad Rawi. Extra male voices played by Tarek Duweiri. Recording by TVC Soho Studios and the VoiceOver Gallery. Additional research and fact checking by Al Jazeera and Lin Nguyen. Script editing by Danello Havaleshka. The senior copy editor is Hala Sudani. Joe DeFrias is the executive producer of special projects. Juan Carlos Van Meek is Al Jazeera's director of digital innovation and programming. Hindsight is a historical drama podcast. All dramatized scenes and dialogue are inspired by historical events and old interviews with people close to the subject.